Welcome to the Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith, and today we are talking about Luke chapter 3. And my guest today is super special. She is my co-producer on the show on Susie Larson Live, and we work together all the time, and I just, I love working with her. Welcome, Kim Sanders. Hey, thanks for having me. This is so fun. It is fun. Yay! Okay, (laughs) so we are talking about Luke chapter 3 and let's just let's just dive in because yeah. we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and we're like, "This is good stuff. We need to start recording." So yeah, let's just start out right at the beginning with um, with Luke listing all of these people who are ruling. Yeah. So I'll be honest. This is probably something that I usually would just like be like, "Okay, that's good information. Keep going." Oh, here's yeah. a good part. Yeah. yeah, we've got a quote from Isaiah a little later down. That sounds good. That's more poetic. But then I was like, "Well, I'm going to be on this podcast. Yeah. I better actually figure out a little bit more." Um, and so I, I did, uh, you know, what every great Bible scholar does, and just Googled and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and and it is interesting. I think obviously it's it's something that we see a couple times in in the book of Luke he's he's trying to give context and it's a historical point that he can reference and say this was all happening at this other time where I'm going to tell you something new. I'm going to tell you about the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to tell you about the life of Jesus. When was that happening? Well, let me give you some context. So I think that that's really interesting. And I also think that it's overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> to look into. It's I found that uh, it seems like it's placing Jesus in a timeline, but there's some question about exactly what year did the crucifixion happen and exactly what year was Paul's conversion, you know, Saul to Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have the answers. I I read a couple things online. You mentioned uh, the the study notes in the bottom of your study Bible, and uh, we've reached no conclusion. It is interesting, and I think that it's something that is worth looking into, but I I don't have any answers. (laughs) Well, I think the one thing that we should maybe mention is that when it talks about the high priest, Ananias, 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 <laughs> when it mentions the high priest, Annas, yeah, that's and Caiaphas, yeah, um, that that you found in the research you did, and then in the what I like to call the Cliff's Notes in my Bible, <laughs> yes, said that Annas was Caiaphas's father-in-law. And that he was no longer the official high priest mm-hmm. Caiaphas was, but he, but um, Annas was still kind of wielding power behind the scenes. Yeah, it sounded like you know he definitely had a strong influence over his son-in-law Caiaphas for sure, who is the leader. And I don't know wh- how how much influence that was, but what I found and what you have there is. What I found and what you have there, it seems to uh, allude to some behind-the-scenes, unofficial uh, weight that's that's politically influencing the current high priest to maybe make choices that were not entirely his own or were not influenced by anything other than this other family member who used to hold that position of power, which is really, I mean, that's complicated, right? In-law relationships can be very complicated. Right. And and being in relationship of any kind with the person who held that seat of power prior to you, right. I can't imagine that kind of pressure. And, and it just alludes to, you know, the high priest is a religious position, but here's this political undertow that is, is wielding its, its own ugly, maybe at times, head with Caiaphas. And, of course, you know, unfortunately, we still see that at play uh, sometimes in our own home churches, mm-hmm. that politics get in the way of whatever else we're supposed to be focusing on. Yep. And yes, and we see that time and time again with the 
the politics and the the grasping for power. And I'm not saying I don't think we're saying that that's what was happening here, but it's possible. Yeah, that that was happening there. But we see definitely see, especially in the book, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus challenging the Pharisees because of the power that they were still trying to grasp and still trying to wield um, over people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something I think we need to take caution of because because who was it that Jesus had trouble with? It was the people who were leading in the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be a really hard place to be because there's a lot of expectation Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of influence and yeah I think that can be hard yeah and it's really easy as someone who has not even been in a position of of true like leadership like a head pastor but has been on staff at a church and in past roles um even if it's not the power to be able to influence the other people around you, there's this weird thing that happens in your heart and in your head where your identity doesn't become, I'm a child of God, I'm made in God's image. It's, I'm this person in the church and I'm on this pedestal. And even when you know that going in, it happens. It's the sneaky thing that happens under the surface. And so, of course, somebody like a synagogue leader or a, a high priest would probably be even more susceptible I can't imagine the pressure, but obviously Jesus thinks it's very important <laughs> and, right. and to challenge and, and that we should continue. You know, it's like salvation is not one and done. You are saved. You don't have to question that salvation, but it doesn't mean that you no longer have to confess like you've that you've arrived and you don't have it all figured out and you're still going to mess up and you still have to continually turn yourself back to the Lord, back to the Lord. That repentance piece is for every single day before we reach heaven. Yeah. And and actually that leads us right into the next question too on the study guide where it talks about um, where Jesus is talking about the good fruit. Mm. And I think that's one way um, it says, even now the ax of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And of course that we go f- forward into Galatians five twenty two, and we see what those fruits are. And I think that, no understanding the fruits of the spirit and what's listed in Galatians, which just give me one second and I'll turn there real quick. Um, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think that's how we can measure yeah. how, you know, how it is that we're doing. Where, where, where are we kind of placing ourselves? Right. And asking ourselves, are we producing good fruit? Yeah. And are we being tempted to think that we're okay and that it's we ha- we have some sort of pass? I think that as you get more involved in the political things, which sometimes there's just bureaucracy, right? Like right. in order to make something happen. Well, and there's people. Like, yes. It's all people. <laughs> and people so, are messy. <laughs> yeah, we are messy. <laughs> Myself included. Yeah. I think too, um, one thing that, Looking at the fruit of the spirits, I always am reminded of, I did a study of this uh, a couple years ago, and, you know, there's the fruit of the spirit, but there's also right before that, it's the work of the flesh. Mm. And it is, I mean, I would highly recommend you go and read verses 19 through the end of chapter 5, because it, I mean, Paul pulls no punches at the things that we really should be seeing as warning signs, not only that we need to change course, but that if we don't change course, there, it's it's not, oh, well, you'll get a slap on the wrist. It's you are separated from God. 
forever. And you will not get into the kingdom of heaven. Um, and these are things that we, we look at. And, you know, if you're, if you're holding bitterness in your heart and unforgiveness towards somebody, it's on the list. Like, right. it's not just these things that you might be able to go, well, I'm a good person. I'm, that's not something I deal with. Well, and I think Jesus kept raising the bar, too, on, you know, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. But if even if you hate someone in your heart, you've mm. committed that sin. And so it's because I, th- I think sometimes it's easy. It, we could explain away. Yeah. The, the lists of the bad things that, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. But like, remember how Jesus raised the bar. Like what's in mm. your heart? What's in my heart? Let me, let me, let me put it that way. What's in <laughs> my heart is the question I should be asking. Yeah. And these are hard points, but of course, you know, the, the other side of it is the beauty of redemption and the, and the work, the reason that Jesus cares so much is because he has the answer too, mm-hmm. and he is the answer. And so when we can turn to him, I think that was one thing I thought about too, as I read chapter three was like, man, this is a harsh word, but it's not so harsh as we get to know Jesus through the book of Luke and we see that he's the answer. And so we we could be fearful of of hell. I mean, he's talking about it. You're going to burn in the fire. But we don't have to be if we are willing to repent and to let our hearts be changed. And to then that's how you get to the point of producing the good fruit. Mm-hmm. I also, um, in this chapter, appreciate when John the Baptist followers are asking him, you know, what should we do? And John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it. To those who are hungry, even the corrupt tax collectors can be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. It's it to be to be generous. I just heard on Faith Radio actually recently where he talked about that God blesses us, not to just bless us, but for us to turn around and be a blessing. Mm. And he described it like, I think it was Greg Laurie, described it like a hurricane where we get wrapped up in the hurricane of blessing and then we get spit out again to be mm. A blessing, which is kind of what I see John, like, yes, God, Jesus has done all of this for us and we can receive that blessing. But then it's, then I think it's our responsibility to turn around and be a blessing. I am just preaching to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's, I mean, it's these things that sound simple. If we were, I mean, you could even put it on a, a poster board in your house somewhere, right? Like mm-hmm. share what you have with others and and don't take what's not yours, right? I mean, these are these are some basic things, but at the same time, we need the reminder. And I also just thought, you know, these he's giving specific examples because the tax collectors specifically as a group of people asked him and the soldiers asked specifically, and so he's answering what would make sense to them, but of course it does apply to us as well. And I wrote down, you know, having integrity in everything that you do because there are plenty of places where it would be very easy to tell a little white lie or make a fib or to just not draw attention to yourself and do what you know is not right and that is something that i think maybe a new christian it feels like a gray area or you're still growing but the more that i mature in my faith these are the places i've come to you know even just recently of like a lie is a lie is a lie mm-hmm. And if I lie about a little thing, that's what makes it easier to get to the place where I would lie about something that's bigger. And that's something that I've really been convicted of because I used to tell all kinds of little white lies just because it was easier socially to, to just say, oh, I'm not feeling well if I don't want to go to something instead of saying I'm an introvert and I need to take that time for me or 
somebody's going to be there that I, I can't, you know, I'm not in a good place to, to handle. And I don't want to bring drama to that gathering or whatever. I need to be honest because that's what God calls me to, to integrity in everything that I do. And lying is not an integrity move. Right. Right. And, and I think there's other places where that applies and maybe that's not what God is saying to you in this moment, but he's probably saying something because integrity is important. It's something that I think we can all agree is important, but it's also really hard because it gets down into these little places where we make excuses for ourselves. I make excuses for myself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Can relate <laughs> so to that. So this is an uplifting <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but I mean, you know, again, I just want to bring it back. Like Jesus is the the way out of that place that feels like, oh, I'm such a terrible person who right. can't ever do it right. But but Jesus, but because of God, mm-hmm. we're okay. <laughs> you know, because He takes the place for us. Yes. And as we'll see coming up in later chapters, the suffering that happens to Him and the redemption that comes from Him. And he, I can't remember where it is, but um, but it talks about that he puts on his robe, he takes his robe of righteousness mm-hmm. and puts it on us. So it's not about, it's not even about us mustering up as much strength as we can and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's seeking God more. It's yeah. when you notice, you know, I'm just going to pick on you, Kim, because it's, it's easier fine. than picking on myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> the white lies, instead yeah. of you know, like mustering up the strength to not do that. I mean, there is part of that too, like being disciplined, Mm -hmm. but also seeking God and saying, Lord, I don't want to lie. Mm -hmm. I want to be truthful. I want to have integrity. Help me. Yes. And the Holy Spirit will help you do that. Yeah. And he brings an ability to have discernment because honestly, there were places before that conviction came in where I probably didn't even notice. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a thought that, oh, I was just being deceitful in some way, even if it's really small. Then also to, because I think I also got really fearful of what might happen. Right. So a lot of them for me are these social interactions where I just, it's so much easier to just tell a little white lie. Mm-hmm. And then nobody's <laughs> mad at you because it's not about you not wanting to go right. or whatever the, <laughs> yeah. the example is. But then also to just, it smooths itself over because God is present in that place. And I don't want to say that your obedience equals some sort of blessing, but God is in that moment, and and I don't know. There's some sort of miraculous thing that happens, I think, too, on the other side where people maybe are more understanding. Maybe not. Not all the time, but I don't know. I think well, that it's— Also, I yeah. think that you can—like, when you're honest like that, because God is all about relationships, mm-hmm. when you're honest in a relationship—now I am preaching to myself. <laughs> when you're honest in a relationship, it might be—it is hard to tell the truth sometimes in a relationship— and even when you tell the truth and do the right thing, that can bring other things up in a relationship that are hard that need to get worked out. Yeah. But in the end, mm. it will be better. Yes. That relationship will be better. That relationship will be stronger because of the bravery and because of the honesty. Yeah. Yeah, because if you have two people who do care about each other and they want that relationship to thrive, which should be Mm -hmm. any healthy relationship that you're in, even in the midst of a conflict, you're working towards a solution that actually strengthens the foundations of that relationship. And I think like when you are able to work through and there may be mess and imperfection, in fact, I'm almost guaranteeing it, um, but if, if you can work through that and still maintain your care and your love for each other, that's what God is after, right? That's restorative. That's redemptive. That'll preach. I mean, like he makes a way where without being honest, I mean, you're just burying yourself deeper and deeper, really. 
even one pebble at a time with the little white lies. Yep. Yep. We can move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something I want to point out that's at the end of this chapter where, you know, speaking of things that it's easy to just kind of roll right over is whenever there's this genealogy <laughs> list. Yes, of names that are not familiar. Yeah, and hard to say. Yeah. Um, but, I, and I, we talked about it in the introductory episode, but that Luke brings Jesus all the way back to Adam, mm. where we see, I think it's in Matthew, we see the lineage go back to Abraham. Mm-hmm. But G- Luke was a Gentile. Yeah. And he's, you know, taking it back to Adam because that's where we all started. Yeah. And so, you know, that Jesus is the son of God. He's the son of man. He came for all to yes. be saved, mm. which I think is beautiful. Yeah. Was there anything else in this chapter that stuck out to you? Um, I mean, I, I, the big thing was just the hard call to repentance and to be baptized. But then as I was reacting to that, you know, you continue to read and I have the baptism of Jesus. And I think Jesus is leading by example because if there was ever somebody who didn't necessarily need to be baptized, mm-hmm. it would be Jesus. But yet the other side of baptism is this declaration to the world. And this is the start of his earthly ministry. And he's also saying, look, I know that John just asked for something that is difficult. I'm going to lead by example. And I think how beautiful that spirit is and how gentle that is towards, you know, if something is scary, I'll show you what what could happen. And then, not that this happens to others who are baptized, but the Holy Spirit descends, you know, the heavens are open. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit appears as a dove and, and then the voice from heaven says, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. So if you had any fear about what the repercussions of this scary declaration could be, don't worry <laughs> because it's actually this this beautiful thing. And God is saying, I'm so pleased with you in this moment as you've done this thing that is declaring this choice you have made to be my disciple. And this is before he's done anything. Yeah. So there's no doing that got him to a place where God was well pleased with him. Yeah. God is just pleased with him. Yeah. Period. Mm. Which is always nice to hear. Yes. That God loves us. (laughs) Well, this has been fantastic, Kim. This was so fun. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is great. Well, thank you for joining us for Reading the Bible Together podcast. I hope you have subscribed so you don't miss any episodes. And join us next time when we'll be talking about Luke chapter 4. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.